0: you're tuning into Unleash Your Inner Goddess, season two, where we deep dive into life and business as a neurodivergent entrepreneur. This season is dedicated to any and all neurodivergent folk, diagnosed or not. And this episode, as well as the next one, contain epic conversations with eight amazing entrepreneurs who all share the highs and lows, the successes and the struggles of being a neurodivergent person in business. They're getting real, and honest in sharing their own journey, and I'm sure you're here for it. Because neurodivergent is a minority, we are often an afterthought. Things are seldom made or built with us in mind. Therefore, we need to listen to one another, figure out what might help us flourish just a little bit, or aid our productivity 5% more. Learn from others' trial and error, and share your own discoveries too. In this episode... You will hear from a professional organiser, a podcast and YouTube channel producer, a professional counsellor and clarity coach, as well as a retired classroom educator and educational coach. These highly skilled, highly trained and successful entrepreneurs all have experience with neurodivergence. And I'm going to jump straight into these juicy conversations and introduce each guest as we go. These conversations are all under 15 minutes in length, so they're perfect to digest. All the bios, social media, and links for each guest can be found in the show notes. First off, we speak with the lovely Liz Fackelman. Liz is an experienced professional organizer and certified productive environment specialist with a passion for creating order out of chaos. Liz thrives on working with the most challenging situations, including clients with debilitating ADHD and hoarding behaviors. Since May 2021, Liz offers a virtual office transformation program worldwide that is effective and maintainable for her clients, specifically addressing the issue of decision fatigue and the challenge of paper and disorganized offices. With this program, she helps female entrepreneurs increase productivity in 90 days or less so they can go from overwhelmed to optimized and make more money without disorganization and overwhelm. Let's jump in. Hello, Liz. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here to talk about everything organizing with a focus on work offices and the home office for the business of life.
0: It's so important uh, when we're talking about business as well to have that organized space and that clarity, isn't it? So tell us in a really succinct way who you are, how you identify as a neurodivergent person or how you help neurodivergent people. And I know we've already just given a little snippet away there, but let's just go a little deeper.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I have a degree in electrical engineering from Duke University. And I used, I used to design handheld computers back in the eighties. So I guess that kind of ages me. I'm 59. Um, I have five adult children um, and I've spent t- over 21 years as a stay at home mom before starting my professional organizing business back in 2012. Um, I'm in the college town of Davidson in North Carolina, um, which is in the U S and um, My youngest is now a senior in high school and the rest have graduated from college and are enjoying their careers. Um, So I met um, Barbara Hemphill, who is one of the pioneers in the organizing profession pretty early in my career. And I started using her methods with my clients. Um, And then a couple of years ago, I got certified as a productive environment specialist um, with her Productive Environment Institute. And so now I offer virtual coaching and a virtual program so I can help people all across the world. Um, and one of the things I like about Barbara's training and her programs is that she has designed it for somebody with ADHD because she has ADHD. And so as I've started to work with clients over the year, 12 years that have ADHD, I realized that traditional organizing solutions do not work for the vast majority of those who are neurodivergent. Mm. And I've also started to realize that when I am tired and I have, I'm exhausted, I don't make decisions well. And I start to have symptoms of ADHD or ADD when I'm overwhelmed and tired. Um, so it gives me a lot of compassion for my clients that have been diagnosed with it. Um, because of, at least I've experienced a little bit of, what it is like um for the brain that doesn't work and doesn't respond to a traditional organizing system
0: i love that i love that you've recognized that those traits come out in yourself when you are sort of like overwhelmed fatigued tired um and that's led to more compassion to those folk who perhaps are in that every day um and what have you noticed you have you noticed a lot of your clients have adhd or or other neurodivergent traits
1: Well, for most of my clients, if they could have done it themselves, they would have. Um, So I do tend to attract uh, clients and the vast majority have either been diagnosed or will say they have. Um, They think they have um, Mm -hmm. ADHD, not so much autism or sensory. Um, I haven't run into that. Uh, Sometimes their children, though, um, will. Um, So I have to adapt my methods. It has to be something that it will work for them. It's not what you should do. It's what you will do.
0: Yeah, completely agree. Like we, myself and my husband, both have ADHD. Um, two of my three kids we suspect have ADHD. So finding methods in our busy household of keeping things tidy, keeping things organized, keeping like a cleaning rotor, like these you know, seemingly simple tasks can, can end up falling down the wayside. And then I think for us, it's, well, why can't I do this? Why am I not able to to have a household that functions normally? And if you're not careful, you can get in that sort of, really negative headspace that you are the problem and really it's it's finding ways that work for you that are perhaps ways that you don't know about yet isn't it
1: oh yes what saddens me the most is how down on themselves my clients are that are neurodivergent and the reality is they have challenges but they can be overcome with the right tools the right processes and systems that are proven to work for clients who are neurodivergent I mean, the result might not be Pinterest worthy, but who cares? You can be productive in your environment. You can enjoy your life. You can find things quickly, whether it's a piece of paper, uh, a digital document, or a physical item. And then when life gets busy, and it will, you can quickly recover and be organized just enough. Um, But I agree that shame is counterproductive. Mm Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of my worst, worst book bears is paperwork. If I need to find a specific document to like prove who I am or something, I'm like, where did I put that? So I'm learning now to put it in the box. Like the minute I get it, like don't put it on the side, don't pin it to my fridge, put it in the box and take a picture of it first. Like that for me has been a game changer. Um, so talking about things like that, struggles and, and difficulties, what is, what has the biggest struggle been that you've come across in this area?
1: Definitely fatigue. Um, So Barbara Hemphill's trademark phrase, you can actually trademark a phrase, her phrase is clutter is postponed decision. Well, why do we postpone decisions and even taking action? For me, it's when I'm tired. Um, So even simple tasks can feel monumental. Um, So (laughs) this is a kind of embarrassing example, but my 18 year old son, again, he's the youngest of five, his important document file is labeled baby. And even though I have a label maker, right here in my office, I have never gotten around to changing it. Um, And that's one of the problems with traditional filing systems is they aren't easy to maintain. And um, another example would be um, why traditional aren't easy to maintain and set up is, um, do I put my Honda Pilot papers under Honda, under Pilot, under automobile, under car or under vehicle? And then if you alphabetize it, Um, It's time consuming. I mean, I recently watched a video of a professional organizer who was showing how she set up her filing system and she spent hours and had piles all over her floor. And honestly, that's not how I want to spend my Saturday. And so I was thrilled to come across Barbara's system um, with the Productive Environment Institute because it's so much simpler and it's so much faster than traditional outdated ones.
0: Awesome. I think that's it. I think we need to go with what is easy to do, what is easy to maintain, what is quick to update when needed. Like, I really resonate with that. Like, with your youngest still being labeled baby, like, I'm like, oh, I've got lovely gorgeous photo albums of my eldest and my middle child the third one it's just photos in a box because I've not got around to putting it in and you know she's 10 this year so like she's already 10 she turned 10 last year um so like this is a thing this is a real thing and I really resonated with what you said about you know how do we label things what which categories do we put them in um I can literally see that in my own head like I was looking for a hypnosis um Recording I had sent uh, a couple of months back and I was like, did I call it hypnosis? Did I call it pain? Did I call it like, what did I call it? Like, oh, Lord. So I really get that. Um, But turning things on their heads, what would you say was a number one tip or maybe an aha moment that has helped you navigate, you know, being organized and, and having less clutter?
1: But I would say um, if we make it simpler, just like you said, we're more likely to do it. And so take that pile of paper that is your nemesis and you're going to have three boxes. One is a file box, one is an act box and one is a toss or you can have a trash can or shredder or recycling. And all you're going to do is decide, do you need to keep it? You, You need to file it, but you don't need to act on it. Or do you need to act on it? Is there something you need to do? And then toss. Is obviously means you don't need it and you can put it in the shredder, you can recycling bin or trash. Um, and my freebie will explain all this um, in great detail. Um, but when you simplify it down, um, it just makes going through piles of paper so much less stressful. And so we won't avoid it. We'll do it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And your, your freebie is a, um, a scorecard, am I right? With a DIY plan and an online workshop?
1: Yes, the link is to a website with the top right button. It says scorecard, get your productive environment score. When you take the quiz, please be reasonably positive in a calm state of mind. Um, Trust me, you don't want to do it when you're a hot mess and down on yourself Mm. um, because the scores will be artificially low. After completing it, you will get your scorecard results plus a blueprint, which is a summary of some of the stuff we teach. It'll go into, how do you know when to toss things? Um, It'll show the file act toss method. Um, And then I reach out to everyone who completes a scorecard for a free consultation over Zoom to discuss the scorecard and to just to identify the exact steps that they need to take to increase their productivity um, without disorganization or overwhelm. Um, It's actually an amazing amount of free help for Um, listeners on this podcast.
0: It sounds awesome. It sounds exactly what I need, actually. So maybe you might find me on there. Um, But yeah, I've absolutely loved learning about the organization side of things and sort of not letting the overwhelm get on top of you and looking at like even just you saying, I've realized that when I'm tired, I find things difficult to To make decisions over like that might be a real book bear for someone that's perhaps not thought of that before so just hearing these little nuggets of information has been super super useful and i'm sure our listeners will agree great well thank you so much for giving me this opportunity do you have any further questions i think that's it i think we're grand um for the listeners that are listening all the links that we discussed today will be in the show notes um, including liz's wonderful scorecard isn't liz absolutely amazing Next up, meet the exceptional Beth Koretz. Beth is a licensed professional counsellor and clarity coach. She helps women become their authentic selves and create a life that's in alignment with their authenticity. Beth coaches clients with neurodivergencies in ways that build their business, taking advantage of their neurodivergent strengths and creating strategies for what isn't benefiting them in their growth. Let's dive in. So Beth. Tell the listeners really succinctly, if you can, who you are, how you identify as a neurodivergent person, or how you help neurodivergent people.
2: My name is Beth Koritz. I am a clarity coach, but I'm also a licensed therapist. So my clients get both ends of my expertise. I am neurodivergent with later in life diagnosis of ADHD. And the more I learn about it, the more I see how it has affected my life since my youngest memories.
0: Can you give us any examples of that? Sure. Um, I was reading, going through
2: old report cards from grade school and, and high school, where I thought I just was a phenom. And it turns out that, like, I can hear in the teacher's notes my signs of ADHD
0: yeah yeah no, I can relate to that as well. I remember um I was about six or seven and thinking I'd done really well at like holding myself together, and I didn't know that I was any different than anybody else at that point. And we got to um like a parents' evening like and my <laughs> teacher sits my mum down and said,' right, well, she talks a lot. She moves around a lot. She doesn't really focus on you know like and looking back, I remember being absolutely crushed because I tried really hard first and foremost, but remembering that now, it was classic signs, classic mm-hmm. signs. Um, so you notice that with yourself as well. I do. And I also see it looking back on my friendships and
2: relationships. Mm. You know, the whole rejection sensitivity disorder that's such a big part of ADHD. I see it all throughout my life.
0: Do you find yourself a people pleaser or sort of willing to bend over backwards to people and fit in?
2: I'm a recovering people pleaser.
0: I love that. I love that you're using the word recovering. <laughs>
2: That came in learning to be wholly authentic all the time.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a really difficult place to come back from when you are so used to trying to fit in and trying to make the other person happy, whichever relationship that might be, right? Um, and and not to mention exhausting physically and mentally. And then mm-hmm. recognizing those signs if you slip into that again, and going, okay, where are we at now? What we what are we doing? And sort of reverting back, I am definitely a work in progress in that respect.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've done most of that work now. And it really goes hand in hand with learning who you are as an authentic person, not as the person who masks or, as you were saying, the person who pleases. It's about who you really are underneath all of that. And once you fully embrace that, it becomes much easier to speak for your authentic self and not for your ADHD self, your masking self, but for your authentic self, mm. which often that that person often says no.
0: <laughs> yes, quite right. Quite right. What would you say your biggest struggle would be then? Would you say it is, um seeing how you've got, you've mentioned being later diagnosed later in life would you say that was a big part of a big struggle
2: yeah i would say it has been a big struggle because i kind of grieve for my younger self who didn't know these things and who did have such huge emotional you know struggles um with friendships and at school even though i was a good student i i was never good enough for myself, you know, Um, things, I thought things always came easy to me, and even as an adult, I would switch careers relatively quickly, I would get, become good at something, I'd become bored, I'd move on, well, I only just, in the past months, have realized that was my ADHD, that wasn't Beth who can't stick to anything, you know, and it's a very typical, like not just typical, it is just spot on ADHD example. You know, now that I have the the tools to recognize it is that I have a lot of forgiving, a lot of grieving to do. And I think my clients struggle with that also, you know, so I'm here to help them through that and to embrace their life as an authentic person with ADHD.
0: Mm. I think that's yeah. it isn't it. It's unlocking the potential of who we are with our neurodivergence uh, you know as a neutral thing. Um you know okay. this is me and I have you know in my case ADHD or this is me and I have autism or this is me and you know and, and just being truthful to yourself first and foremost to be able to make those gains really. Um ADHD has so many
2: benefits. Mm. You know I wouldn't give it up if somebody said you want to be neurodivergent? I mean, neurotypical, you know, I can snap my fingers and do it for you. I would say no, because there are so many cool things that come with it. Hyper-focus is amazing, right? Learning new things all the time is incredible. Um, You know, there are just so many benefits that if you have your skills for the hard things, you can really balance it out with your joy for the good things
0: yeah yeah no I love that and so two of my children um have got ADHD they're not diagnosed yet they're currently going through the motions and I've always said to them like you can view it as a superpower or you can view it as having chains around you your wrists and your body and, and restricting you I said you get to choose how you view it um however you choose that will be projected into your life and obviously the children they love the idea of a superpower right so like, but this is it this is how you know yes there are negatives yes there are things that they struggle with um you know just like me but there are so many positives as well and so many quirks and and beautiful things that come from from them as individuals mm-hmm. absolutely so what would you say your biggest tip or aha moment would be I find
2: that, you know, I just read a paper by a psychologist who said the hyperactivity part for adults is it's their brains. It's not their bodies. You know, we're not. Always jumping out of our desk and mm. running around the room, right? It's our brains that are hyperactive. And I liken it in my world. I just did a newsletter on this Friday. It just went out Friday. On uh, sometimes I have a hundred ping pong balls in my brain and they're all bouncing off the side of my brain and bouncing into each other. And you become so overwhelmed that your brain shuts down. Right. So the biggest tip that I've gotten um, is allow it to shut down and just breathe through it and you can come back with it calmer i often um, suggest to my clients that they dip their face in ice water that'll reset your nervous system immediately Mm. you know there are also some energy tips um with like your hands behind your neck and your thumbs on your vagus nerve that'll calm your nervous system immediately So don't think that when you are shut down, there's nowhere else to go because there are tips and tricks to reset your nervous system immediately or quickly, depending on what um, exercise you want to use to do it.
0: Yeah, I think that's it. I think people get so stuck in, I need to plow through this feeling and this constant, this thoughts and these patterns all bashing into each other and stuff. Um, And I know I used to, be like that and if i was to stop and sit with it or even distract myself with something else i would then feel guilty that i wasn't working through it but then i figured it out doing the thing that i was doing so one of the things i was i was using a technique i was using was humming um i would just hum a song that i was interested in it happens to generally be a taylor swift song um and i would just hum that and then my brain would just calm and then i've read about you know Actually That's that is stimming. yeah, it is stimming And it's also um it calms the vagus nerve as well. I've done a lot of um studies on on that and um regulating your nervous system and stuff, but I haven't heard of the of the ice water one. So I'm gonna try that. That's a big one. That's a big one. You'll
2: see all, you'll see it all over like ADHD TikTok.
0: Yeah. Do you have something to offer our listeners today or where they might be able to find you? Yeah, they can find me at your clarity coach.
2: And um, I have a free session to offer. And just if they go to my website and go down a little bit, there's a link to book a free session. Yeah. So that way people can get some clarity on what's going on with them and still take away some tips, tricks, ideas in that very first time. That is at no cost or obligation to them.
0: I think that's great, and it gives them an idea to see if you guys gel together, because we're not all made to to sort of get on and be in sync. So I think that's a really nice sort of you know, am I right for you kind of thing. Right, I love that. Thank you, Beth, for being on the show today. It's been my pleasure, Sarah. Beth shared some epic tips on resetting your nervous system and really stepping into the authentic version of you. Make sure you head over to the show notes to grab your free session with Beth okay it's time for my chat with the wonderful Jennifer Lee Jennifer quit her consuming corporate tech job so she could create a business and stay at home with her three children the process has been a journey and by decompressing from corporate stress accepting her neurodivergence and focusing on what she enjoys and is good at she is creating a life she loves Right now, she helps entrepreneurs with podcasts and YouTube, and is starting to scale up from helping people one-on-one to support more people. Let's jump straight in. So Jennifer, tell the listeners really succinctly, if you can, who you are, how you identify as a neurodivergent person, or how you help neurodivergent people.
3: Yes. So I worked for many years at a law firm in the IT department and kind of thought that my path would be that, you know... 30 years service award, retire from the firm and just go down with the ship. And I had children later in life. I think my first son, I had him at 33 and I have three children now. So subsequently through Matt leaves, I was like, I don't think I can work at the law firm for much longer. And I also believe I was trying really hard to like I was fortunate that that role was accommodating to like you didn't have to stay at your desk all the time and you walked around and helped people and you know your lunch break was flexible and you're kind of on your own schedule. So the 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 opportunity was very helpful for me neurodivergently, but in the end, there just was very little flexibility for families. So I decided I was going to try and figure out like I, my first foray was like I'm going to start a blog and monetize the blog (laughs) and so I would install WordPress and do all the technical stuff and be like now what do I write about so I continued to kind of focus on working online and what I could do and now I'm I'm doing podcast management and YouTube management and short form video for folks and part of my process of getting here was kind of like but other things are harder and I should be doing the harder things. And I think this has been like a lifelong like arch of like kind of punishing yourself as a neurodivergent thing that like, because things are hard, you should be able to master them or like, you're not going, like you should, you can be overcome these things Or people telling you like, you're really smart. You should be able to do this. And it's okay to do easy things. And I kind of realized that I struggled doing things one way so with my clients like I do have neurodivergent clients and like let's say someone wants to use Dropbox because it's the system they've used and they don't want to use the system I use or they use Trello and I use ClickUp I'm happy because I'm a flexible person with those sort of things but other folks are not flexible and I respect that and get it so I definitely feel that like the way that I work is super helpful for my clients and supporting them and it's a different medium too right like maybe some people don't work with writing blogs like I enjoy writing but when I sat to sit and write a blog it was like a blank slate even though I feel like I have a lot to say so doing things that are speaking um appeals to more people so I basically have just been finding my way in what works and this is really working well for me so I I find that that maybe accepting that I'm enjoying something is uncomfortable for me, and it's okay to do that. And by doing those things, I've found more success. Like as you're
0: saying that, I'm I'm seeing these things that we're we're finding hard to do that aren't coming easy, and we almost make us like challenge ourselves mm-hmm. to to master this thing. And reality might be that there's a different way to get to the same answer or a similar result that we are completely, it's in our peripheral because we're so fixated on trying to do the, the way we've been told or the way yeah. we're expected to do something. Um, and I think, like you said, learning to to step outside that comfort zone and find something that might work differently is, is a really, really wonderful skill to have. And it's amazing that you're, you're able to sort of get a handle I, on that and try things.
3: I definitely feel that it's been like, like I've taken jobs as a freelancer and then just been like, like my slack would ping. And I'd be like, what now? Like, what did I get myself into? Right. Like it was always like something was on fire and something was an emergency and, you know, like kind of that, like kind of working at the law firm too, like things would be on fire and we need to run around and fix them. And then like, kind of almost like this has been like a corporate decompression that like, nothing is really that urgent mistakes happen. I, do not love writing show notes and I write them for a few people and there's always a typo and it's always like on a guest podcast and it's always their name even though I swear I copied and pasted their name every time right but I'm a human and like part of me before would just be like this is completely unacceptable and like beat myself up but like over the course of just like everyone making typos and like trying to correct the system it's just inevitable right so I feel that like as I grow even as a podcast like I might not even do the show notes anymore even though people might want them I can just say like oh I don't do that mm-hmm. or if you want me to hire a, you know I have a copywriter that I can hire for you to do that like but yeah. I don't have to do that to myself anymore just because it's hard or challenging or takes me more time it's okay to do the easy thing and it's like doing the easy thing has been hard <laughs> yeah <to do>. yeah
0: <laughs> I mean I think this I think for me um I end up putting too much on my plate because I yeah. feel like I should be able to do that amount of stuff and on a particularly good day, yeah, I can. But on a particularly, you know, a day where I am distracted to the hilt with my ADHD is playing up, my fibro is killing me, so that I'm literally yeah. thinking about my legs and how much they hurt 50% of the time, mixed in with perhaps my menstrual cycle, yeah, I ain't gonna be doing should. shit. Like, if I get one thing off my to-do list, I'm on to a winner that day.
3: And um, But then I berate myself. Yeah, and hopefully that one thing is nap, right? Like, that should just be, like, relax. Hopefully, like, yeah. And we are very cyclical people and we don't, we don't give ourselves credit for that, that like there are, there's especially women that there's a yep. cycle to the world, but also like bears hibernate. Humans aren't meant to go so hard, but we really have been going hard. So this, I feel like my next adventures really are just like corporate decompression <laughs> hugely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and to loop back to what you said about, um, you know, not doing the show notes anymore. Like you have realized that that does not light yeah. you up, right? That, does not make your heart sing and it's like okay we can either outsource that and get somebody in to do that piece or i just don't offer it as part of a package it's, it's that simple um and i think like it is noticing that and going yeah you know what if i if i can't delegate it and i can't get rid of it i'm going to do like as minimally mm-hmm. as possible if if i could just get rid of it that is great and um, i spoke about that on episode three actually um and it's quite funny because i think we can get so stuck in well i just have mm-hmm. to do it that's that's what I said or that's what somebody else does and I think it can be really restrictive so it's sort of just hearing you say like I'm not gonna do show notes like if I don't want to do it I won't do it um and the beautiful thing is as well things like that they have an edit button Mm -hmm. don't they so like we fret all the time about something not being perfect and we're like hang about I can just edit that you know like it's not a big deal um and I think that's it we can kick ourselves too much and too harshly for things that are easy mistakes that can be rectified
3: so easily it stings. Like, I feel like I remember every typo that like a client came back and was like, Jennifer, this is wrong or something like, and you know, and everyone makes mistakes. And like, it almost even talking about it now, like, I'm just like, no one will hire me because I make mistakes. And it's not true, right? Like, they're gonna hire you because they don't have to think about it anymore. And mistakes are inevitable. Like they always happen. They happen on live TV, every, like when we're going and making so much content, and that's kind of like, the messy imperfect action that has been hard to take too. like a lot of I think a lot of neurodivergent people are um they're perfectionists so like I definitely know I have ADHD I was diagnosed with ADHD in college but like as I continue to like get to know myself better almost like we're almost like my my nephew we think that he has autism so we're going through like that diagnosis and my sister's reading it and she's like Jennifer is this you and I was like, well, you know, it like, and that's the thing, like, because we had like a stigma around like what exactly autism meant when we were growing up, and it was like nonverbal and mm. things like that, right? Like, we had yeah. no idea what that would mean to be what like we're seeing now. Like, people say there's so many autism diagnoses. Well, it's just that the definition of it has changed. There's more attention to how people like just because someone is behaving doesn't mean that they are not struggling mentally, right? So, yeah, like I definitely feel that like me trying to be a perfectionist has held me back in life. Like, if I had been focusing more on the journey and the process, and like I imagine myself now as a little sailboat, like tacking my sails, like as I go, and like that imagery, like, yeah, all the time, because I'm just like, that is okay. Like, we're going to get to that point, but like, we're going to go in different directions to get there and wherever the wind takes us still eventually brings us to that point so I don't know that's sailing metaphor
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that I have I have a plane metaphor that's pretty similar (laughs) um slightly off tangent here but I feel like it's relevant so I um always imagine myself as a plane and like the pilot sets off heading over to wherever it's going and it doesn't know that it's off track like 90% of the time Mm. it's relying on the plane's data you know the, the captain and the pilot The captain, the captain of the plane, uh, the pilot is um, relying on all this stuff saying, hey, you're off course, move it this way, move it that way. The wind pressure's changed, da-da-da-da-da. And then you put yourself on the right path again. And then inevitably you go off course and you bring yourself back. And before you know it, you've landed at the destination. But all the passengers had no idea that 90% of the time, the plane was off course. So I like to think of myself as the plane. And I'm constantly no, off we're course, still drifting there. away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're still getting there. We're still making like micro changes, and you know, moving forwards. Uh, so much to share that I loved it. I like your little sailboat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, would you say that your your biggest struggle is trusting the process?
3: hundred percent, and being okay with like imperfect action. So, like I edit podcasts for folks. I have over half a dozen podcasts I put out every week. And I don't have a podcast myself, even though I've got the things to do it, I have the hosting that I pay for, like I have everything to do it. But like, part of me has also just been like, it's not perfect. Like, I need a little bit more, I need to figure things out. But then the podcasts that I edit that have, let's say, over 100 episodes, so that's considered like two years of podcasting, those people are better podcasters than the people who just started But they also were not very good when they started as well. Mm. And the journey of two years of podcasting under their belts has made them very like there's so much involved. There's like interviewing people, interview skills, filler words, like how to speak into a microphone, like technically behind the scenes if they're doing things. So there's like many, many elements. But like after two years of it, even one year, I can notice a difference, Mm. but I still haven't started. So like it's like the imperfect action of doing the thing. And trusting that process and knowing that like, by being messy, you will get to where you want to go. Yeah. But it's it it has been like, and I feel like I feel like it's not just like nothing has like made me work on myself as much as being an entrepreneur, like working at a job like nobody would ever push you like this, like you just have to continue. They want you to do the task that they paid you to do. And you don't have to do anything outside of that. But with being an entrepreneur, doing the things that are outside of where you sat is where the magic happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that's it. I think it's, first of all, if you need a coaching session on figuring out whether you're going to do an imperfect podcast, you know where I am. Um, (laughs) And second of all, I think we look at these people and other business owners, entrepreneurs who are doing the things that we want to do. And we think, gosh, they're so good. But like, that's Mm -hmm. it. You forget that they started somewhere too like everybody starts somewhere and yes some of us are more naturally talented in one area than the other and some things come easier to mm-hmm. to others than than you know than ourselves but it is that okay they did it they had a episode 1 right you know they were sat in their i don't know living room editing it themselves before they had a lovely editor to do it for mm-hmm. them and all this jazz um and i think that we can get that bit a bit lost in our heads and we go mm-hmm. well i can't do it perfectly or i haven't got everything I need or I haven't got the most fandangled microphone or whatever um and I think yeah we can get we can get a bit stuck can't we 100%
3: even though we have things we want to talk about like we just can't let the other stuff get us stuck which is why my opt-in which I've made especially for this because I was really thinking about like what because I don't have an opt-in because most of my stuff that I do is one-to-one service like I don't have a course or something like that but I was thinking like what what could help people the most and what has been my biggest struggle and it has been just starting so I'm actually I've recorded like one but I've created a mini podcast about how to just start a podcast like from your phone like cut down all the stuff if all you're going to do is start a podcast today and you don't want to edit or use a computer and like all this extra stuff like kind of like the Voxer style mm. voice note thing. Like, let's say you had like one profound aha moment and you're not quite ready to commit to a whole, like I, I bought a course once that said like it costs between five and $10,000 to start a podcast. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, we are not from the same planet earth. I do not understand what exactly that entailed, but he was talking about a website, professionally designed. He was talking about getting headshots. Mm. He was talking about like buying the whole kit and studio. And you literally could start a podcast for free. Yeah. So there's so much information about there between the two. So I have created a mini podcast that is about like, this is like why you should do this, why the imperfect action is what you need to embrace and move on. And then this is technically how you will sit and do it.
0: I love that. I love that. And you've just sort of explained that and made it sound really easy, which is what people yes. need, isn't it? They need to do what they find easy. Um, where can we find this freebie?
3: Yes. So my business right now is called It's a Legit Business. And I believe that that was me embodying that I could actually do this. I love it. (laughs) So I said to myself, I need a brand name. I need to register it. Unfortunately, when I phone the tax services of Canada and they asked me the name of my business it's a who's on first joke (laughs) so every time they're like what's your name of your business ma'am I'm like it's a legit business they're like yeah I am (laughs) I'm sure you are you're phoning us so it's at it's a legit business.com forward slash presto podcast and then that'll take you to an opt-in so you can sign up for the podcast and then you'll get the links and the emails and all that good stuff you can start now today
0: that's been great thank you so much for being on the show
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Isn't Jen just fabulous? I loved her sailboat analogy and I think the simplicity in her saying, it's okay to do easy things. I think we can all forget that sometimes. Grab Jen's how to start a podcast from your phone freebie in the show notes. Next, I chat with the amazing Dana Kaplan. Dana is a renowned educational coach for neurodiverse and out of the box learners, As an award-winning retired classroom educator, certified trauma specialist, and coach for neurodiverse learners, Dana is celebrated as a renowned international educator for the world. After over two decades of educating and focusing on holistic brain health, Dana founded Developing Empathetic Education with Dana, D-E-E-D, where she is disrupting the current educational paradigm by reforming, reframing, and rebuilding a courageous, compassionate, and expansive learning arena that is accessible and inclusive for all. Let's jump in. Hey, Dana, uh, I would love for you to tell our listeners really succinctly who you are, how you identify as a neurodivergent person, or how you help neurodivergent people.
4: Hi. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I am a retired classroom educator, now educator in the world, and I um hilariously was diagnosed with ADHD three weeks before I left the classroom after teaching for just under two decades. Um, And I say it hilariously because we're so quick to label and limit children. And because I am such a free spirit and free um, believer in learning in different ways that it was always my superpower. And little did I know it really was my superpower. And so neurodivergence for me is at the core, all of us. We all have a unique brain. We all learn differently. Mm. And so my whole intention, one of my biggest purposes in the world is to destigmatize to de- the whatever's around neurodivergence, meaning um, if you need flexible seating, if you need to have to take medicine, if you have to take breaks if you need to be sitting in a space by yourself in order to get your work done. If you're a child or if you're an adult, knowing when you need like fully understanding and being so deeply connected to your own body is essential for our collective to understand and to powerfully show up for every human, right? And so the the bigger picture is let's break the barriers let's have the uncomfortable conversations, let's curiously show up and, and find out what, what do I need and what do you need and how can we work together?
0: I think, I think that's it. I think your sort of like your mission, you're like getting people to, to understand that everybody's different and learning to really lean into who you are and how you need to move through the world. Like you said, asking for a certain seating or being able to work in a certain way and, and you know, whether you need to be close to somebody or, or further away, like, these are things that people often push away from what they need because it's like, oh, well, I don't want to be awkward or I don't want to be like putting somebody else out, you know, like, and I think people refrain from finding ways in which help them move through the world better because they're afraid of what other people think.
4: And you just hit on something that is so profound and I want to reiterate, the less we are concerned about what other people think about us, And the more focused we are on who we are and what we need the more we will thrive and i will say that again i am my own validation i do not care if people think that i am off the wall kooky i have such success with with children i have a lisp right now because of a wire in my mouth going on so (laughs) please bear with me um i have so much success with children of all ages starting from two to 25 because at 25 that's technically when our brain is fully developed but really and truly neurodiverse brains you don't really know when they're fully developed so we have to keep all of these different parameters and developments in a bigger in a bigger picture and it's so important that at every age i can show up and say i am my own validation i know that i learn differently i know i need your help please help me please be willing that's the word. Please be willing to listen to what my needs are and to be willing to help me wherever I am.
0: Yeah, I love that. And with your your education background as well, um, and helping helping these people, I think we said two to twenty five, didn't you? Um what is what has been the biggest struggle, maybe as a neurodivergent person yourself, or that you see in your clients and other people?
4: The stigmas, it's so quick for people to label and limit instead of seeing a diagnosis as a way, as a, as a light bulb into helping, right? We are, as a culture, we wanna squash people if they're different. We wanna put them in a box. And if we were supposed to be in a box, the uterus would have been a box, but it wasn't. And so, and I say that intentionally because every space has to be flexible and everyone has to learn and uncomfortably become comfortable with the flexibility of the uncertainty. And everyone's diagnosis is literally a ticket to ride, literally a ticket to thrive, because we then know how to help. If we ignore it as a label or a limit and say, well, you have to stay over there or you can't have this job, or you don't get to go to this school, or you can't sit in this classroom, All we're doing is squashing that beautiful soul that came into the earth. And everyone has a right to learn. It's our birthright. Everyone has belonging as their birthright. We all are whole, complete humans. And instead of looking at neurodiversity, as there's something wrong? Let's shift that paradigm. Let's reframe it and say, oh my God, this is amazing. What can we learn now? What can we do differently? And look at it from a different perspective and be willing to look at it from a different perspective.
0: We don't put enough focus on what's going on inside our heads, what's going on inside our bodies, what makes us feel a certain way, what makes us act a certain way, what makes us feel good, what makes us feel you know, overwhelmed. And we just move through life as is. And I think for me, that is not just for neurodivergent folk, but for anybody, anybody who's listening to any part of their journey in, in life is just lean into what feels good for you, what works for you, and lean away from things that make you feel overwhelmed irritated stressed unable to function um, makes your anxiety peak Um, it's leaning more into okay well what works for me
4: yeah even before we got on this call and I said to you I'm feeling really emotional around all these questions I feel emotion around it because I'm an empath Mm -hmm. and I own that as my superpower and I'm also so unbelievably unwavering committed to making sure that we destigmatize any kind of diagnosis around holistic brain health. Because at the core, it's holistic brain health. If your brain needs something more, we have to do it. It's just like, if you have IBS with stomach issues, you're going to go to a gastroenterologist. If you have hearing issues, you're going to an audiologist. If you are having, you know... Issues with your teeth or your, your orthodontics, you're going to a doctor. Let's stigmatize what we're doing for everyone else. Let's nurture our entire being so that we can show up and live our life to the fullest instead of finding out information later on in life. And it becomes scary. Yeah. Diagnoses are not scary. They're only scary when you do nothing about them. Mm -hmm. There's no Mm -hmm. problems. There's only solutions. The problems only exist when you do nothing with the information.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I liken this as well really quick. um, When I had my, uh, I had skin cancer and I had a biopsy done and it was really scary in the moment to think, oh, well, the doctor thinks I might have skin cancer. But then once I sent the biopsy off, I was like, okay, well, there's two results. The results are, yes, I have it or no, I don't. Um, And maybe a gray area of it was inconclusive. Let's do it again. But I, I made a plan for each of those if I've got it, what's my plan? How am I going to look after myself? What's my next step? If I've not got it, then what's the plan? Like, is it something else? Is it, you know, a, a benign growth? Like, what is it? And it was that knowing with the diagnosis, with the biopsy of, yes, I've got skin cancer. Okay. What next? Do you know? And you know, the what next was six weeks later, I had it taken out and it's gone, you know, and, and that is obviously not the same as a neurodiversion. um, diagnosis the the process is similar if we step aside from the fact that that the skin cancer was something that could be taken out it's the diagnosis it's okay now i know for sure what's going on with me what comes next and that's what i was getting at
4: and i i'd like to add on to that because it's a really brilliant piece so for those of you that have not been to new york city i like to sit on top of the empire state building And I sit on top of the Empire State Building when I feel like life is getting very chaotic. And when we can put ourselves on top of the Empire State Building and just sit there and look out into the world and see everything else from such a high place and everything is so micro, you're actually able to really look at how can I make decisions and choices that are going to be safe and helpful for me, without worrying about the Mm. outside noise. When I sit on top of the Empire State Building, it's me really honoring the fact that I am listening too much to the outside noise, which means other people's opinions and other people's fears. That's a big one. instead Instead of listening to my inner knowing. So the reason you were able to look at this as i have it or i don't or there's a gray area and we have to do some more testing this is what's going to happen if i do this is what's going to happen if i don't if there's more testing great we already know that route right and then you're able to stay in a space Mm -hmm. of calm not control and that's another big piece around neurodivergent Learners is that we think we have to control everything for them, or we think we have to make every situation perfect for them so that they they don't use their tools and they don't use their skills that they have, they were born with to use, right? And so instead of making everything so cut and dry, we also have to remember that each human has the power has their own superpowers with an S, multiple S's to go in and figure out what do I need right now? What is the best way to go? And how am I going to do it? Yes. Guidance is needed. Yes. Mentorship is needed. Yes. Doctors and therapists and everything may be needed, but at Mm -hmm. the core, we have to trust. We have to trust our inner knowing and teach how to trust our inner knowing. What does it feel like in my body to trust myself? What does it Feel like in my stomach, in my head are my thoughts trying to take over instead of feeling in my body, right And those connection, the the actual alignment of your mind and body is what will prevail and and propel every single one of us to understand, to accept, to invite, to communicate, to support, and to partner with mm-hmm. neurodivergent
0: humans. Yeah. And you mentioned this, this trust you're in and knowing a few times. Would you say that this has been the biggest thing that's helped you navigate neurodivergence?
4: Absolutely. The way you learn and the way that you do is so powerful. Mm. And I was chastised and criticized and squashed so many times for trying to do things differently and was told, you don't follow the rules. Whose rules are they? You're not doing what you're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? Right? And so it was me trusting what I know and what I knew and what I believed Mm. needed to happen in order for everyone to follow and create their own success story. And I still practice that on the daily.
0: Before we we sort of leave it there, you've got a, a newsletter, haven't you, that you'd like to share?
4: I do. And actually, I'm so excited. I forgot to tell you this. Um, I am so excited. My new website launched. It is so authentically me. Um, And it talks a lot about me as a neurodivergent learner, as well as what we need to be doing for accessibility and inclusivity. And bigger than that, it talks about how we can have uncomfortable conversations with what people don't really want to be discussing right now, and not just with neurodivergence. It could be around kids' gender. It could be around, do you go off to college, do a gap year. And so I'm really excited that when people sign up for my um, newsletter, they're, gonna, they're going to receive an immediate video and questionnaire on how to have uncomfortable conversations at any age with anyone.
0: I love that. I love that. And that's going to resonate with so many people as well. Like you said, it's not just neurodivergence as well. And I think there are so many topics there that, that could be discussed and that you're probably going to get around to discussing on that website as well. All right. Thanks, Dana. Take care. Thank you. Ah, Dana just radiates warmth and positivity for any and all neurodivergences. I wish I had a teacher like Dana when I was at school. That's for sure. Don't forget to sign up to her newsletter. It sounds really good. The link is obviously in the show notes. And that's it for today's episode. Four amazing women, Liz, Beth, Jen, and Dana, thank you for coming on the show, being real and sharing your truth as entrepreneurs and fucking awesome neurodivergent humans. Part two is released next week on the 25th of May for those who are listening in real time. In part two, we speak with a trauma recovery coach, a coach for introverts, a book development coach, editor, and author, as well as a sales and marketing specialist. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to connect with the guests that really resonated with you. Their socials are in the show notes. Take care.